After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Thank you, Evan. Today's guest is Susan Page, founder of known international fashion and photo companies, Susan Pages, and currently the vice president of Coffee Enterprises, Inc. Susan writes a column for Midweek under Susan's Page, focusing on social and political issues facing Hawaii and the nation. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Susan Page. Welcome to our show, Susan. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Evan. Radio, what a misnomer. (laughs) (laughs) It's a trick. It's a good trick. Could you tell us a little bit about your writing and how you got involved with writing? Because you've been doing that for about 14 years. That's right. I got involved. Well, first of all, this is in, kind of interesting. When I, I, I was cleaning out my parents' home back in, when, my, when we moved them out of their house, and actually after my father died, and I found an old paper that I wrote in the eighth grade. And it said, you know, it was one of those papers you write at the beginning of every term, and it said, you know, what I want to be when I grow up. And when I was in eighth grade, I said I wanted to be a journalist. But I totally forgot about that until many, many, many years later after I'd had other careers in business and other things. And uh, so sort of discovered that must be my, sort of comes from my inner, you know, purpose or something. But I, I started writing specifically for Midweek back in 1992 when the publisher asked me to do a column on fashion. I had the modeling school and I had the photo studios at the time and he was looking for, it was Ken Berry, he was looking for a writer for fashion things. And so I thought, great, this is, they're going to pay me and I'm going to get a half page, basically a half page ad for my business. And I thought, oh, this is going to be easy and so great because I've written a lot for, when you're in business and you do the marketing for your own company, do a lot of writing. And so I thought, you know, it was pretty easy for me. And so I started out doing fashion. I would never show anybody those old columns because they were long and really, as it turns out, kind of boring. But um, so I started doing that. And and about four years into it, maybe three years, I started transitioning away from fashion and just kind of doing lifestyle, style and lifestyle. And then I moved into a little bit of politics here and really just current events. So I've had a, it's been an interesting transition, and I think I've learned some technique about writing. I've had good editors. Don Chapman, my editor, has taught me a lot about how to edit. Writing is, writing is rewriting, he tells me all the time. And I've learned to do that. So that's kind of how I got started. How did you move from your modeling career to your business to writing? Well, it, it, was, it wasn't a move. It, I did it at the same time. The time when I had, I had Susan Page modeling, and that was from 1994 to, I'm sorry, 1984 to 1994, I did a lot of things. I did over 2,000 furniture commercials as on-air talent for all over the country. At the same time I was running this business, I was a mother of two. I did writing for Midweek, which was more later at the, at the, towards the end, but um, opened up a big company in California that was that was sort of an offshoot of Susan Page modeling called Freeze Frame, which was the makeover photo studios. 
and we started a franchise company, which extended all the way to Japan and Indonesia. So I guess, I don't know, I, the, that's the reason I'm not so busy right now, or I, I try to maintain a little balance because I don't think I had any back then. I was just busy, just really busy doing everything. If somebody said do, I said, okay, I'll do it. How did you manage your time during that period? Time management is, you know, I think anybody that has been worked in, worked out of the house and then comes back, you know, decides they're going to be a stay-at-home mom or, or work in the house, finds that, that time management is really hard when you don't have as much structure. I had so much to do that I had a lot of structure. So I managed my time through really good employees. I had a great assistant. And I also had the agency. So we were booking models as well all over um, New York, Europe, Japan. So I just had, I think the more I did, the more track I had to keep of my time. So the better track, I should say. So, yeah, I don't know how I did it. I look back and go, that was pretty crazy. How did you come up with your business ideas of starting new companies or doing something new and getting your feet into a lot of different businesses? Well, actually, I had I had worked as a model and an actress for a long time prior to moving even to Hawaii in 19, um, 1983. And, you know, I've, I really had experienced model agencies that were not very good, especially in Los Angeles, that were pretty hard-hearted and not kind and didn't help develop you as a, as a talent, as an actor or model. And uh, it was a pretty harsh reality. And I always thought that if I ever did this, I would do it differently. If I were ever in that position, I'd do it differently. So I had an opportunity actually to buy an exi- small existing agency. And that's what I did and then changed the name and pretty much changed the whole business to sort of uh, uh, under a model that I, no pun intended, uh, sort of formed based on my life experience doing that. But I really didn't have any business experience as far as running a business. I didn't have any education in business or anything. Was that your first business that you've ever started? Actually, I had a very small uh, production business. We did video and audio production in Dallas. Uh, I had a partner. And so that was my really my first. But that was only for about a year and a half. And then when I moved to Hawaii, yeah, it was my very first business experience. It's sort of like being dropped on to a surfboard on the North Shore during the winter. That's, then, a, that's about how I felt. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Howdy sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is Susan Page, founder of known international fashion and photo companies, Susan Pages, and currently the Vice President of Coffee Enterprises, Inc. 
Susan writes a column for Midweek under Susan's page, focusing on social and political issues facing Hawaii and the nation. Once you got your business started, how was it in the beginning stages? Was it pretty simple? Was it just you wanted to pull out your hair? How was it? All of the above. It wasn't simple. I was simple. <laughs> uh, it was never simple uh, for me. In fact, all the way through, I think business is difficult. I think now, now looking back, I, could, I would do a lot of things differently because really you get caught in the business of just the activity tramp of business, which I think is is a common to everybody who has a business. And and I'm a mar- kind of a marketing person. I see things as, you know, my, my job is to get people to know who we are, maybe to develop, develop a good product, obviously, but to get people to know who we are. I, I wasn't necessarily good at the accounting side or operations, but I could really get people to know who Susan Page Modeling, uh, what Susan Page Modeling was and what it was all about. And so those were my two things that I, I mean, it's sort of instinctive that, you know, if you're going to start a business, you know the product. I created the product, essentially, and then to get it out there. So that's really, you know, it was never easy, though. I always felt from day one that I wasn't equipped with some kind of, you know, business school knowledge that I needed. And I really do believe business schools are good in the way that it teaches you an awful lot about the financial side. Uh, we never got in trouble. We had great, good, very, very good people watching our, um, you know, taxes, which is a huge burden on every business here in the state, which we can talk about if you'd like. Um, but I always had good people, accounting people. But I think I think you have a greater understanding if you go to business school. But I didn't. You talked about marketing and how it was really key in the success of people knowing who you are and the success of your business. Are you able to share with us some? Maybe three things that you found were the key things of successful marketing. Sure. The first and most important thing is know who your customer is. Know your market. That's the very, very key thing. And listen. Listen. I'm, I came here from Texas. I uh, had lived in Hawaii in 1968 and 1973, but I knew very well that I could not bring, I could bring some of my experience, but I couldn't bring to Hawaii what Hawaii was. I had to learn that. I had to spend a lot of time finding out who was my market. And it turned out that, of course, it was teenagers. Well, where were these teenagers from? Where did they live? What were their, what were their lifestyles? What did they want? What did they need? What was the state of Hawaii like in terms of education? Because that played a, lo- a big role in my business in terms of sales. Because if all the kids were going to private school, then they may not have any extra money to spend on a modeling course that cost, you know, five or six hundred dollars. But if there if there were plenty of students that didn't go to private school and they their parents felt that they needed an you know, that that was something maybe they could afford to give them if they couldn't afford to send them to private school, then that, you know, they became a a, a definite target for for selling to or marketing to our to our customers. So I had to do a lot of learning. I think that is a very number number two um, is, is developing a good marketing plan. Now, I did this for our company in California, Freeze Frame, but I didn't really do that so much here, but I highly recommend it. You, you have to understand then how, besides knowing who, you have to understand how to reach those people. Um, and I just basically did what the, what the owner before me had done, and that is to go out and into the schools as much as I could be in the school teaching classes on self-improvement or on health or, you know, uh, 
just sort of um, poise, that sort of thing, that that's what the teachers wanted us to come out, me and my staff, to come out and teach the students. And so that was the, you know, there was, of course, who, then how. And then um, basically then if you're going to advertise, you've got to understand the advertising market. And we did some radio and television and learning that. So I guess that's really pretty basic. But I think key is knowing who it is you're marketing to. You mentioned that you would do some things differently if you did it over again. What would some of those things be? Well, one of the things I think would be would have been to not get so stressed out with trying to do too many things. I felt that, and I still do feel, that part of what my company was built on was goodwill and good relations and, and being known in the community because people were trusting their daughters and sometimes their sons to me, to my uh, care and so my reputation I needed people to know who I was and part of that was being out in the community so I did a lot of things and maybe some were a little unnecessary because it just it did cause a little stress I think the other thing is is knowing to you know when not to expand I think I th- that's always a big issue in business is you know when to say there's a point of diminishing returns on expansion of overhead and sometimes we we said okay you know we'd bet okay we're gonna get if we take on this much more space we're gonna get this many more customers you know it's a supply and demand issue and sometimes I think it's better to not do that I don't know I would probably be a bull in the stock market you know I'm sort of like yeah we can do it we can fill these classes but maybe sometimes, you know, we, our overhead was quite high. We were at the Alamoana building. Still are. Susan Page Modeling still is, although I don't own it now. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna get packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek work with Monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with Susan Page. Before break, you did mention Freeze-Frame a little bit about that business. Could you tell us more about that business and how you handled running two businesses in two different locations at the same time? Okay, I'd be be happy to. I had a lot of airline miles <laughs> to go back and forth. It was a decision that my partner and I made at the time to expand. We saw an opportunity. We had an investment partner who wanted to expand quickly. So what maybe I wouldn't have done, this is where another, maybe another, a uh, little bit more experience in business would have would have been it would have been wiser to not grow so quickly but we opened nine stores in southern california in nine months we opened three at once at christmas of 1989 in major they call them super regional malls and we started this business from from scratch absolutely from paper clips all the way up 
So it was a really difficult business to learn and to or to do, especially in a market like California and doing the marketing there. So I could talk to you for six hours on on what I learned about doing that. But then we decided that uh, we had competition who had taken a lot of the locations across the country. So we decided to expand to Asia. And we started a franchise company up in the midst of all this. Meanwhile, I was going back and forth to to Honolulu to take care of Susan Page modeling. I had we had a manager who was doing a good job, but you know you have to come back and forth. So I was doing that, and I um, had a son who was in school, so I was we were, we were working that out, and um, it, you know it was just a, it was a it was a lot. We we had to market into a variety of different markets in California. That that would be a great case study. I've always said I wanted to write a book about that. But um, anyway, it was just interesting. And our first our first franchise was actually a license with a license to franchise was in Tokyo, and that was an interesting education in marketing and culture and many things. Doing business in a foreign country was very fascinating. And then our second one was to Jakarta. What did you learn about doing business internationally with that company that maybe could help some other people as they're maybe considering the same thing? Well, in, per- in particular, in our experience, the Japanese, first of all, it's a very expensive to do business in Japan. And so when they're buying a franchise or a license from you, they're, I mean, they're investing a tremendous amount of money. And for marketing-wise, I would say that, for which was interesting to me, they were they had to pay hundreds and thousands actually of dollars to be in the editorial section of major fashion magazines to be promoted well we would never think of buying an editorial you know that's just goes against free speech i mean it just is not right you can't you can't buy an editorial you can buy an ad but you can't buy an editorial you can they could even buy spots on television programs like you know, Good Morning Tokyo or something to that effect. And so that was fascinating to me to see how they do business over there. So um, that was one thing. And, of course, the lease rent there in our Tokyo store was just was a million dollars a year. How big was the space? It's very small, very small space, probably about mm, maybe 900 square feet. Anyway, it was a small space. And so I just... I think as a business person, I'm not as attentive to detail. The Japanese are very attentive to detail. And so it was very, very interesting to do business with the Japanese. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptunites, sunshine in your mouth. Neptunites. For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptunites, sunshine in your mouth. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. 
Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is Susan Page, founder of known international fashion and photo companies, Susan Pages, and currently the vice president of Coffee Enterprises, Inc. Susan serves as a director of several boards, including Kapiolani Health Foundation and Women in Need. So Susan, you know, you're such a busy person. You've been involved with so many businesses, and you've talked about getting involved in the community a lot. Are you able to share with us about why you got involved in the community, and some of the organizations that you're involved in. Okay, great uh, great question. Um, why you get involved in the community is because we're here to give back. You know, we, we, we have a lot in our country, and I uh, feel very blessed in my life to have a lot. And uh, so I feel, I think we all, and especially I learned this lesson in Hawaii. You know, it's such a, a wonderful land of kokua and um People here are so good, and I, I felt I feel like that's a part of any person's personal life and business life is to give back. Sometimes it's harder to do when you're when you're in business and you're running yourself pretty crazy. But we always managed to do a lot of things comp within the business and personally. Um, we, I got involved very early on in 1984 with the Kapilani Children's Miracle Network, and have been an on-air host for that for 22 years, and have been on the board of directors for the foundation for about the last eight years. And I think it's really our health care, it's just, it's just a very, children issues are very, very important to me. And that's whether it's here in Hawaii, where, wherever it is. And now I'm focused a little bit on Africa um, because there's such a grave and dire need there beyond what we can even imagine here. Our greatest need here is is very small compared to the least of their needs there. And so um, that's what we're doing. Can you tell us a story, uh, maybe a personal story, of why this Africa um, project is so important to you? Well, as a Christian, this I got involved in this in, in our church. This particular organization called Heart for Africa spoke to me because I think early on when I was a child, I met an, an African missionary from my hometown who worked in Kenya, and I, I think at that point I always dreamed of going to Africa, never knew how I'd end up going, but I had one point about five years ago went to Soweto on a vacation. It was actually a vacation where we went to South Africa, my husband and I, and, and I decided to take a tour to Soweto, and I just was able to, to view the poverty there and the just the abject reality of, of what that life has, had been over the course of apartheid there. And, and what that re- resulted in for those people. So so when Heart for Africa called me, you know, in other words, Bruce Wilkinson was standing there at the pulpit and said, come come and go, and this is what we're called to do as Christians, I immediately went. And I believe that what, I, what I would say about being there can sort of be, some, can be summed up in the faces of the children there. The orphanages, and I will tell you this right now, just... My very first day, I got off the bus. We were in Swaziland. You fly into Johannesburg, and you take a five-hour bus ride on a rickety old bus across the countryside, and you get into this little tiny kingdom called Swaziland, which is the number one AIDS-infected country in the world, 40%. And that's 
sort of a conservative estimation, uh, but that's what the USAID puts out, is um, infected with HIV in that country of about the size of Hawaii, population base and and size, land size. And the first day I got there, our missionary on the ground said, do you want to go to an orphanage? Well, in my view, an orphanage was going to be a building. I mean, you kind of think it's going to have walls at least, right? So I go to, I said, sure, I, I really want to go. I mean, I'm jet lagged and I've been on a flight for 22 hours, but okay, yes, let's go. And so we drive over to this space and I'm looking for the orphanage and I see some little children sitting out on mats and I see a very tiny little sort of a, it looked like a little outhouse almost. I mean, it was just such a small place and there were about 20 children or more, any anywhere from two to seven or eight sitting out on little ragged mats on the dirt and uh, there was a pot that was boiling on some wood under a tree sort of looked like a kiavi tree and there was an, a grandmother and they call grandmothers there gogos like we call them tutus they call them gogos and there was a gogo and some other teenage girls sort of helping and that was the orphanage an orphanage in africa is a person and children. There may not be a roof over their heads. It's just children are being orphaned at the rate every second a child is orphaned in Africa. Every second. While we've been sitting here talking, how many children does that make? And so it's a mind-boggling, unbelievable issue there. And so that is why I'm very, very interested. I mean, the children deserve better. They don't deserve to be discarded. And we, even if you know, the the thing people say, oh, but Africa is just, I mean, it, oh, come on, you can't help anybody in Africa, so why do you even bother in a way? That's just kind of the attitude that I know many people have, but but you bother because you might save one child, and it's worth it if you save one child or two children or four or five, and so that's why you go. And we, there are many, many wonderful, hopeful examples of people, of children who have been saved. And orphanages that have been orphanages that have been built. There's a great, great lot of work to do. You know, there are children over there who are five and six years old that are in prison for stealing. So, we got a lot of work to do. Let's go! Come on, everybody, we can go together. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio, Hawaii.